You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. I'm also the co-editor of Dunking With Wolves, the Timberwolves site on the Fade Insider Network. Today's episode of Locked on Wolves is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's an unofficial community center. A big thank you to our friends at McDonald's for always being there. I'm loving it. Happy weekend, everybody. Happy uh, post-game podcast, I guess, although not so happy. Today, the Timberwolves fell to the Denver Nuggets here on Saturday night by just two points. It was a hotly contested game, came down to the final possession, an exciting, uh, really a a fast break finish to the game and uh, disappointing for the Timberwolves, but still a hard fought game. Certainly some things to take away from this one, things the Wolves could do better moving forward, but um, encouraging nonetheless that they battled against a solid Denver team and uh, generally played well. Um, so I want to talk overall game flow, get into some of the key takeaways, why the Timberwolves, again, only scored 91 points in this game, a disappointing offensive showing, I think, to say the least. Um, and then I want to talk about uh, individual studs and duds, as we always do on the post-game pod. Uh, first, though, a quick reminder, you can follow this episode, or excuse me, this podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts. That, of course, includes YouTube, as well as Apple, Google, Spotify, and the all-new Odyssey app. You can also follow on Twitter at LockedOnTWolves. That's at Lockdown T Wolves. Don't forget the T and at B Beacon with two B's, two E's, C K Yen. Thank you for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen each and every day. Reminder if you're uh, watching on YouTube, you can subscribe, like this video. That definitely helps us out. Also, side note if you're watching on YouTube, this is Halloween weekend. So if you're thinking, if you're a regular watcher, viewer, and uh, are wondering why I look a little bit gray in my beard, it's part of my Halloween costume this weekend. So uh, I guess enjoy that. This is the only podcast I'll be doing, hopefully, with a with a gray beard. So if you're watching on YouTube, that's uh, that's why I look gray today. So anyway, uh, let's go ahead and talk about about this one. Let's talk overall game flow first. Um, so this thing actually started out pretty well for Minnesota. By far, they played their best offensive basketball in the first quarter. They scored 32 points in the first frame and actually led this thing by nine at the end of the first quarter, 32 to 23. Uh, overall, the transition offense looked much better. I've I've uh, I've called out the Timberwolves for their not just their bad half court offense to this point in the season, but the transition offense has been miserable. I talked about this uh, after the I guess uh, it was after the Pelicans game on Monday. I was very uh, direct about the fact that I, I don't know middle school teams can run three man weaves right, and the Timberwolves were the whole thing there is timing, spacing, etc. Right, floor balance. The Timberwolves could not figure out floor balance. Um, prior to this, prior to, uh, I guess they did okay in the Bucks game on Wednesday. Um, they were much better in the first quarter of this game. The Timberwolves transition offense was at, was on point. They had an, a couple of nice alley-oops. They had some just generally good floor balance uh, when they were switching from one end of the floor to the other, and they were able to take a nine-point lead into the second quarter. The bench unit had a solid defensive performance when they first came out, but struggled a little bit offensively to get things going. And then the transition back into the first unit, D'Angelo Russell I and mean, Chris Finch has had this this pattern where D'Lo comes back in, where it's basically D'Lo and second unit guys. That didn't click very well in this game. And the Nuggets, I mean, they're a solid defensive team overall. Uh, they weren't great. Uh, I mean, they're not like the best defensive team in the NBA, right? And so this shouldn't have been quite as big of a struggle as it was for Minnesota. They just missed open shots throughout the game. We'll talk more about that later. 
But the offense sputtered in the second quarter. They only scored 15 points in the second. They still had a lead at halftime, although it was down to just four points. And then this, the third quarter was kind of a lot more of the same. It was, um, you know, the Wolves played generally good defense in this game, um, got out in transition and, and were pretty good in transition. The half court offense was still a little bit off kilter. Um, Minnesota was missing open jumpers. They didn't really get into their sets. And that was in this game. It felt like it was more of a credit to Denver than it was. Hey, the Timberwolves aren't running offense. I felt like they were trying to get into things. It was just Denver was doing a good job of disrupting the Timberwolves. Um, and maybe that's partly the early season, the offense being behind the defense across the board. We've certainly seen that in Timberwolves games to this point this year. Um, but also Denver just doing a really good job of, of scouting the Wolves really limited offense at this point. Minnesota only is doing so much with the lineup that they have. And Towns, he, he didn't attempt a field goal hardly in the middle portions of this game. He, he was very quiet early and in the middle stages. Um, and and uh, I don't actually, uh, I, did he make a three in this game? Yeah, I guess he made a couple of threes, but he didn't make a three until later in the game. And it just didn't ever really feel like he was a, a huge part of the Timberwolves offense in this game. Credit to Jokic, credit to Denver uh, for that. But um, Minnesota really struggled to get him involved as a central piece of the offense. They were still up four going to the fourth quarter, though. The Nuggets continue to do a good job mucking up the Timberwolves offense. Um, and Minnesota struggled with turnovers in this game. They had 20 turnovers. Denver had 18. It just felt like the Wolves were just overall more careless with the ball. They had, it seemed like more live ball turnovers, uh, just some really sloppy mistakes from Minnesota. And that was a that was an issue allowing Denver to to pull even and eventually take a couple of brief leads. Um, Minnesota was was at the end of the day they were down four with a minute left in the game. They got a stop on Denver, came back down on the other end, and Anthony Edwards made a tough layup with 31 seconds left. So the Wolves are down two with 31 seconds left in the game. And Towns is guarding Jokic on the left elbow, actually gets a strip. The ball bounces up in the air. The Timberwolves get it head down the court. Beasley's got the ball. And at this point, the obviously the, the play clock's expired. Actually, Anthony Edwards is the one that got the loose ball after the Towns steal. And the shot clock buzzer goes off because it. I'm sure to the clock operator, it wasn't clear if the Wolves had possession or not. Edwards hesitates as the buzzer goes off, kind of right at the timeline at midcourt. And it's for a split second, it's like his he's thinking, is that the game buzzer, the shot clock buzzer? And he, you can kind of see him kind of double clutch. And then he passes it ahead to Beasley. It's a two on one situation. Um, and he kicks it ahead to Beasley, but Will Barton's back makes a phenomenal block on a Beasley attempt to the left side of the rim. Uh, the rebound goes to Edwards. He goes up. Jokic gets there in time to contest and make Edwards try and reverse to the other side of the basket. He misses it, kind of gets stymied right at the rim. And that's that's the game. The clock expires as the Nuggets are coming down with the defensive rebound. The Wolves lose by two. It's a shame, given how solid of a defensive play that was from Towns, to get to really strip the ball from Jokic and start the fast break. Finch had two timeouts in his pocket. I completely understand why he did not call timeouts. I'll call out coaching issues where there's coaching issues. I don't fault Finch for not calling timeout there. If he had called timeout, we would have all been like, why is he calling timeout? They have a two-on-one, right? Um, so no no fault to Finch for not calling timeout. I'm sure he would have had the Wolves gotten that, that next offensive rebound. Um, but there just wasn't enough time, and the Wolves had numbers. And Edwards and Beasley are both so phenomenal in transition. It makes sense that Finch wouldn't want to stop that in any way. Um, so ultimately the Wolves get stopped in the open floor at the end of the game. And that's just a credit to Will Barton, honestly, a, a fantastic individual effort. And Jokic did a good job too, getting back. 
there's not, it's hard to get upset with how the Wolves handled the end of this game. It was kind of the intermediate stages of the game, the the struggles on offense that were a bigger issue. So I want to talk a little bit more about key takeaways in this game before we get to individual studs and duds. Before we do that though, let's talk about the title sponsors from today's show. And that of course is McDonald's. This episode of Locked on Wolves is brought to you by McDonald's proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's a place where friends and family can come to reconnect, a place where classmates can meet up for a study group, knowing they'll have dependable Wi-Fi and endless supplies of French fries and McFlurries. Win or lose, it's a place where teammates, competitors, the home team, or the away team can come to recharge. It's the place you always look forward to stopping at on a long road trip to rest your legs and refuel. Road trips are exactly when my family likes to go to McDonald's. Um, Almost every road trip we'll head to McDonald's. If we're on the road in the morning, it's sausage egg muffins all the way. Um, And, uh, you know, late at night, it's McDoubles. Uh, McDonald's is just absolutely fantastic. And uh, we go there, um, I, I, I mean, probably still not enough. It's fantastic and it's delicious. You can head to your local McDonald's to refuel and reconnect. Did somebody say Locked on Wolves watch party? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I'm loving it. And I swear, I'm getting better and better and better at that jingle the more that I do it, for sure. Um, So anyway, head to your local McDonald's uh, whenever you get the opportunity. All right, next, uh, let's talk about the key takeaways from this game. Uh, We're going to hit all that here in just a second. All right, uh, let's talk key takeaways from Wolves Nuggets on Saturday night. Um, The first thing is that the Timberwolves offense, I get that they only scored 91 points, which is obviously not great. They lost the game, not scoring overall. I mean, what, three of the Wolves' first five games this season, they failed to score 100 points, which is is, um, obviously disappointing, a little bit disheartening, but also shocking. If you had said that preseason that the Wolves would fail to score 100 points in three of their first five games, I'd say you were crazy. This is the least amount of points they'd scored in any game. That said, they've also held their opponents under 100 points in uh, in two of their first five games, which is not bad, right? Um, now, as I mentioned earlier, defenses are ahead of offenses at this stage. It's, it's just like baseball after spring training, right? That's just generally how things go, right? The the pitching's always ahead, or in this case, in, in, in the case of basketball, the defense is ahead of the offense if you spent any amount of time on the defense as a coaching staff. So that's certainly part of this. I actually don't think that the offense in the half court was all that disjointed. I think the Nuggets just played really good defense in this game. The Timberwolves' second chance opportunities were relatively limited, and Minnesota missed some open shots. Um, I, I thought they did a pretty good job getting into their half court offense, it was missing open shots. It was the Nuggets being disruptive. They got 11 steals in this game. Um, and Minnesota only shot 31.7% from outside the arc. They missed a bunch of open threes. You take out Beasley's threes. The Wolves were 13 of 41. Take out Beasley's makes. And they're 7 of 31 from the field in this game. That's like roughly 20% from outside the arc if you take out Beasley's shooting. Um, and I mean, Jade McDaniels and Anthony Edwards, two starters for the Timberwolves, combined to shoot 0 of 10 from outside the arc in this game. So, Credit Denver for a good defensive game plan, for making life difficult for the Wolves, for keeping Towns from getting really all that many field goal attempts at all. And the Wolves just have to make open shots. And also, not just threes. Anthony Edwards missed at least two layups that were just literally point-blank layups that he just missed. That doesn't happen all that frequently. 
Um, so there was some bad luck involved here as well, but you got to credit, credit the way that Denver played defense. I thought the overall offense, especially in transition, but even in the half court for the most part looked pretty good. It looked improved for the Timberwolves. It was the bad luck on the missed layups, some missed open threes. Those were the bigger issues in this one. Um, Malik Beasley was really the only guy on the Timberwolves that was making open shots against his former team. Perhaps no coincidence there. He was six of 10 outside the arc. By the way, he was only, he was 0 of 4 inside the arc, but six of 10 outside the arc and led the team in scoring with 18 points off the bench in just 27 minutes. Um, Anthony Edwards generally struggled. We'll talk more about him in studs and duds, which is a bit of a spoiler, but um, outside of a nice alley-oop dunk, couple of other nice plays in the paint and, and he rebounded the ball well as well actually led the team in rebounding with 11 boards he struggled to get into any sort of a rhythm was 0 of 6 outside the arc even inside the arc he was 6 of 13 which isn't bad but considering that he's not it's not like he's shooting a bunch of long range twos right he's shooting it mostly in the paint and he struggled to to score through contact in this one to finish at the rim and it was very disappointing for the wolves um <clears throat> Another key takeaway, the Timberwolves bench was fantastic. They actually really outplayed the Nuggets bench. I don't have the the numbers in front of me, but they basically outscored them two to one. And both the bench stint kind of like middle of the second quarter and then also uh, like late third, early fourth quarter, the Timberwolves bench was really good. Uh, Patrick Beverly was, was fantastic. He had seven, five, and three in this game. He was a plus 10 in the plus minus column, which as I say, every time I bring this up, it's a bit noisy. It's not the end all be all, but he was very good. Okogi was a plus 18 in just 19 minutes, played solid defense on Michael Porter Jr. I had mentioned in the, uh, in the pregame show or the preview show, I should say on Friday, that if the Wolves could do a good job of holding down Barton and Porter and town stays out of foul trouble, they should be okay. Well, they did what I wanted them to do. They just so happened to lose by one possession. Porter only had seven points on three of 14 shooting in this game. Uh, you know, he was, he played 35 minutes and Kogi played 19. So it's certainly not all Josh, but Josh Kogi did a fantastic job on Porter Jr. When he was on the floor, Barton only had 10 points on three of 10 shooting. So the Wolves held him down as well. It was really just Nikola Jokic to a lesser extent, Aaron Gordon and, and Monty Morris that, that really gave the Timberwolves trouble, but they did what, I had hoped that they would do. And Josh Okogie was a really big part of that. Nas Reed was really good too. The bench as a whole just kind of knew what they were doing in this game and knew it was expected of them. They did more than hold serve. Uh, the Nuggets bench, Jamichael Green's fantastic. Uh, he only played 11 minutes and he was just okay in this game. Six points, only one rebound in 11 minutes. Facunda Campazzo wasn't, didn't really hurt the Wolves. Bones Highland hit a couple of big threes at, at, at big moments in the game. But the Nuggets leaned heavily on their starting lineup in this game. And Minnesota's bench outplayed the Nuggets uh, pretty easily. Um, and, and I think that that was notable. It goes back to something we talked about quite a bit preseason, is that the Wolves really do have some genuinely solid depth this season. And we saw that again in this game. It just, it, you lose by one possession, there's a, a handful of things that could have gone either way. And uh, the Wolves clearly had the better bench in this game. Um, and the Denver's kind of been known the last few years for having solid depth, not as much top heavy talent, especially with no Jamal Murray. This is a, the Denver Nuggets have to rely on their depth in the regular season with no Murray, uh, you know, behind Jokic to, uh, to keep them in games. And I mean, this is just one game, the Wolves bench more than held their own in this one. Um, so what I want to do next is I want to talk individual studs and duds who from the Timberwolves stood out and who from the Timberwolves had a poor game. Spoiler alert. My studs all come from the Timberwolves reserve unit, uh, who was just generally fantastic 
in this game. So we're going to get to all that here in just a second. Before we do that, though, let's talk about our great friends over at Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar of all time. It tastes exactly like a candy bar. If you're not a protein bar person, well, you should be. And if you become a protein bar person, you must try Built Bar. I'm serious. It tastes just like a candy bar. If you've never had it, you can get a mix box. You'll get two of each of the nine main flavors. That includes favorites like mint brownie, cookies and cream, salted caramel, anything with coconut, really really anything. Uh, but the mix box is your best bet. Check out the macros. These don't just taste delicious. They're genuinely healthy for you. Uh, 17 to 18 grams of protein per bar, calories ranging from just 130 to 180 per bar and only four to five grams of sugar, four to five grams net carbs in each Built Bar. You can order today and uh, get any of those delicious flavors that I mentioned and more. Built Bar is the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. You can go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, you'll get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Let's also talk about our friends at BetOnline.ag. We're back and we're better than ever. A new web interface for the start of the basketball season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code locked on to receive your bonus from basketball to football, baseball, postseason to the NHL, boxing and UFC, right on down to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 to 2022 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Again, uh, betonline.ag, promo code LOCKDOWN. You'll get a 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. Okay, let's jump into individual studs and duds from this game. This is actually pretty easy. Number one on the studs list for the Timberwolves is former Denver Nugget Malik Beasley. Of course, he was traded to the Wolves in February of 2019 um, in that larger trade that included, uh, there was the four-team trade with several players changing teams. But Beasley uh, was great in this game. Easily his best game of the season so far. 27 minutes off the bench, which by the way was fourth in minutes in the entire game for the Wolves. Obviously first off the bench. Six of 14 shooting, 18 points. Six of 10 outside the arc. Two rebounds, two assists, and a steal. Only one turnover. He was a plus two in 27 minutes. A great game for Beasley. The Wolves ran a number of different plays for him. They had him running off staggered screens. They had him running off of pin downs. And he looked comfortable. Uh, looked like he was ready to shoot the ball, let it fly against his former team. And I think the Wolves should use him in this way in every single game, especially if they're struggling to get offense going for their big three, for Ant, for D'Lo, for Cat. Uh, they, they need to use Beasley in this way more frequently. But he was really, really good in this one. Um, number two on the studs list for me is Nas Reed. Fantastic off the bench. He played 19 minutes in this game. The Wolves actually played for a stretch in the fourth quarter with Cat and Nas together. This is the first time this season that the two of them have shared the floor instead of Nas simply playing back up five minutes. Nas played 19 minutes. Cat played 34. Um, so there was some some real overlap there of eight minutes or so on the floor. And it went okay. Nas overall, 12 points, four rebounds, five of eight shooting, and two of five outside the arc. Hit a couple of big threes in this one was a plus 15, the second best mark on the team next to just Josh Akogi. Again, 12-4, one assist, two blocks for Nas, just one turnover in 19 minutes. I'm hoping we see more of Nas next to Towns moving forward. It obviously depends on the matchup. And with the Nuggets, you know, it made some sense to give Nas a chance to guard Jokic to keep Towns out of foul trouble, which for the most part, I mean, he finished with four, but for the most part, Cat was out of foul trouble in this one. Um, I'd like to see more of Nas and Cat together moving forward. 
it was just obviously a little bit less defensive flexibility. And that's that's the one hang up there. You'd rather have somebody more switchable like Vando or Jaden McDaniels at the four who can switch on to smaller players, whereas Nas and Cat are a little bit less flexible in that regard. The third stud for me in this game is Patrick Beverly. Seven points, five assists, three rebounds, two blocks and a steal in just 23 minutes for Pat Bev. Three of five shooting, one of two outside the arc. Just had the two turnovers in 23 minutes. A fantastic all-around game for Pat Bev. And uh, I just looks really comfortable running the second unit. He makes open threes. I can't remember the last time the Timberwolves had a solid veteran wing player, a guard, who could you felt confident if the ball swung to him in the corner, closing seconds of the shot clock, wide open three, he's going to make it. I mean, you you feel that way when Beverly catches the ball. He's going to make the shot. There are not very many Timberwolves players in history of the franchise, in the history of the franchise, who you'd feel very confident they're going to knock open that wide, that they're going to knock down that wide open corner three when the ball swings to them. Uh, but Pat Bev falls in that category. Um, you just have full confidence he's going to make the shot for sure. Uh, does in this game, Anthony Edwards, by the way, the Timberwolves big three, Ant, Cat, uh, and D'Lo each only scored 14 points. I'm going to give a dud to Anthony Edwards. He shot only six of 19 from the field, was 0 of 6 from outside the arc. That means he was still 6 of 13 inside the arc, which is fine, but not great. 14 points. He did have 11 rebounds and an assist, but he turned it over three times. His minus 14 plus minus was the second worst mark on the team. And he just struggled to get into a rhythm. It's not entirely his fault that Timberwolves overall struggled to get into a good offensive rhythm. But Cat did, or excuse me, Ant did not have a very good game. It was his worst game of the year by far. Um, by the way, the Wolves as a team only attempted nine free throws in this game, eight of nine at the line, which is miserable. Um, and I mean, the Nuggets only attempted 16, so it's not like there was a massive disparity, but still, uh, it, Nuggets had almost twice as many free throw attempts. The Wolves did not do a good job of forcing the issue of getting to the free throw line in this one. I'll give a second dud today, and that's going to go to Carl Anthony Towns. He played 34 minutes, 14 points, eight rebounds, three assists, and a steal, but he turned it over five times, was just four of 11 shooting from the floor, two of five from three-point land. That means that he was two of six inside the arc, four fourth the free throw line. But Nikola Jokic put up 26 points, 19 rebounds, and seven assists with three blocks. Uh, so again, 26, 19, and seven. Cat had 14, eight, and three. Not exactly the statement that Cat wants to make against the reigning MVP and somebody who, up until last year, everyone, there was this Jokic Towns debate. And then after last season, you'd be crazy to not put Jokic ahead of Towns in terms of the hierarchy of players in the NBA. Um, and, and I mean, Jokic leading his Nuggets team to playoff berth after playoff berth the last four plus, I think. I guess four or five years, including a conference finals a couple of years ago, uh, the MVP award last year for Jokic individually. And Towns just did not have that great of a game. He wasn't like, he wasn't terrible, which it feels a little weird to give him a dud, but compare him to Jokic and he had a poor game and the Timberwolves just didn't do a great job getting him the ball in a place to succeed. And Towns, this is the sort of game where he could have forced the issue a bit more, uh, but ultimately he ended up being a by far a team worst minus twenty three in the plus minus column, and uh, outside of uh, you know a couple of nice offensive possessions and, and really some solid defensive defensive possessions as well. This was a quiet night for Towns, quieter than the Wolves wanted it to be. And still, we go down this list: the Wolves' big three each only scores fourteen points, and generally. I mean, they all shoot the ball well under 50% from the field. They combined to shoot four of uh, four of 17 from outside the arc and just six of six from the line, six total attempted free throws among those three. And they only lose by two points, 93 to 91. The defense was really good. 
And uh, Malik Beasley was good enough off the bench. Nas Reed was good enough off the bench. Patrick Beverly was good enough off the bench that this remained a close game. The Wolves did enough offensively to stay in it. Uh, but moving forward, the offense has got to get itself straightened out. Um, and the Wolves, it gets a little bit easier here coming up next. The Wolves have Sunday off, of course, and then they take on the Orlando Magic at home on Monday. That's obviously a very winnable game against Orlando. And then they get back, or consecutive, I should say, home games Wednesday and Friday against the LA Clippers, which are still winnable games, but tougher. Um, and we'll talk about all this on Monday's show. Of course, uh, on Monday's show, we'll preview the week ahead. We'll get into power rankings either Monday or Tuesday, looking at the week ahead. We'll also on Monday preview Wolves Magic on Monday night. So if you're not already following or subscribed to the podcast, please do so anywhere you listen to podcasts. That includes Apple, as well as Google, Spotify, and the all-new Odyssey app, as well as, of course, now on YouTube. Thank you for making Locked on Wolves your first listen each and every day. And remember, Locked on Wolves is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube and uh, all the platforms I listed just a minute ago. You can also follow on Twitter at Locked on T-Wolves and at B-Beacon with two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Locked on Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time. We'll be back on Monday. Enjoy the rest of your weekend.